pastoring is, is uh, something I do because I love Jesus, and I love being a part of his church and hearing your stories, the good and the bad, and sometimes it gets heavy, and um, I, I like carrying those burdens with you. So if you have pains or hurts um, that you need to talk about, I just want you to know that I'm here, and I'm willing to talk with you. We also have several others in here that have that gift of pastoring that would love to talk with you and share in the, the pains of life, um, as well as celebrate the joys that you guys are going through. So let's jump into the message. Uh, we are in a series called The Kingdom of God, and we have been through two weeks of it. This is where we have been. If you have not been with us, um, I'm going to go ahead and fill you in. The first one was that God's kingdom is here, but not fully yet. That when Jesus taught us how to pray, he said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That Jesus coming to the earth and, and surrendering his position in heaven to be a man or be God in, the, in human form, he brought about the full kingdom of God here on earth, yet it will be fully consummated in the life after this life. Okay? In our death, we see the fullness of the kingdom of God. The challenge during that week was to try to enter into the thin space. That when he says, experience, when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, that, that this kingdom is something that can be experienced here on earth. It's more about his reign than the territory in which he is ruling over. Okay? It's that God is king. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we can experience the kingdom of God here and now. And I think we get too often caught up in thinking about the afterlife and going to heaven and that heaven is the goal. Heaven is not the goal. The goal is to be in the kingdom of God, which can be experienced here and now. The second was uh, living in God's kingdom, the upside-down kingdom. And we looked at kind of what it means to live in God's kingdom, that the, the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount gave us a, a sermon to say, hey, this is what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. When, when someone, um, it's, he says that they said eye for eye, tooth for tooth, but I said um, if someone slaps you on the cheek, turn and give them the other, right? And he says that actually this way of thinking about life is flipped upside down, that there is this, this sense of justice that can be had, but in a way, if you give him more, if you give your enemy more, you're actually heaping burning coals on their head, Right? The love and the grace that says, go against the kingdom of the world and live in the kingdom of God. And the challenge last week was to try to do three, good thing, or three things that will expand the kingdom of God and don't post about it. Don't tell anybody about it. How'd that go for you guys? Were you guys able to find uh, ways to expand the kingdom of God that blessed you like I'm hoping that you were able to do something for God that blessed you by being able to serve someone else or to do something else to expand the kingdom of God I know for me it took about four or five days before because I was praying about it, I was looking for different things and I was like oh finally something I can there it is that's what I'm supposed to do and when I went and did it it brought great joy to my heart knowing that I was able to serve God in his kingdom in a way that was for completely for God. Have like this, this secret life with God that's between him and I, and I know it's working towards the expansion 
of his kingdom. I hope you guys continue to do this throughout your life and look for ways that you can serve in the kingdom of God. Today, we're going to take a look at um, the Lord's Prayer in that second part of it when he says, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we've been looking at his kingdom. Now we're going to be looking at the kingdom of his will, what his will looks like in the kingdom. And when we are seeking the kingdom, I'm praying that we are finding God's will. This is a quote from R.C. Sproul. It says, The only way the kingdom of God is going to be manifest in this world before Christ comes is if we manifest it by the way we live as citizens of heaven and subjects of the king. When we are seeking God's will, I've asked this question, or I've had this question asked of me many times. What's God's will? What's God's will for my life? It's one of the most common questions believers will ask. How do I know that what I'm doing is what God wants me to be doing? Right? There's, there's a question of, is, is what I'm doing aligning with what God wants me to be doing? And that's what we're going to try to look at. If you go to Acts chapter 1, we're going to be in that first eight verses, and I'm going to start by reading Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Luke writes this book, and he says he's, it's a second part to the gospel of Luke is the book of Acts. And he says, in my former book, which was the book of Luke, uh, Theophilus, I, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. After Jesus rose from the grave and he came to prove to all of his disciples that he was actually alive, he didn't go and make some speech. He didn't go and and preach a message to the masses. He gathered together his disciples, and he cooked breakfast with them. He made some eggs and and some, well, probably not ham. He made some eggs and And they ate food together, okay? They ate food together, and he showed them. He, He appeared to them. He had conversations with them. They were able to touch his hands and poke through the holes that he had from the nail scars in his hands, and he was able to say, this is me. I am alive. I went through all of the, the persecution and the suffering and the cross, and I died, but I am alive. Here's the proof. The same thing that Jesus did 2,000 years ago is what he is trying to do today for us. He is still reassuring us that, that he is alive. And what is significant like, about this part is this is the section of Scripture, if you're reading through the Bible, in Acts chapter 1, this is in preparation for the beginning of the church. And I think the, the biggest, or one of the biggest mistakes that we make when we start looking at the church and the establishment of the church is we skip this chapter. 
We, we skip what Jesus is preaching and teaching to the disciples, and we go to, to Acts chapter 2, and we start to look at the formation of the church, and we start looking at methods and uh, methodologies and ways that the church, they met in houses, and, and they formed these groups, and they did all these things, and we start talking about attractional ministry and missional ministry. It's not even about that. He, when Jesus started teaching that, or started telling people that he was alive and he started forming this gathering of believers that Jesus had overcome the grave and was victorious over death, and he, and he started to establish the church, he said, seek first the kingdom of God. It says that he taught them and he spoke about the kingdom of God. He didn't speak about the church. I, I, I don't think that his goal was to establish churches even. It was to establish people that were seeking the kingdom of God. This is all man-made. The, the institution of the church is the way that we interpreted what God was saying about the kingdom of God. That we gather together because we have something in common in serving our king. His goal was to get the kingdom of God in us so that God can unleash the kingdom through us. So his words, his preaching, his teaching to the disciples was about the kingdom of God. Some of us live this on a daily basis. For some of us, this is a reteaching or a rudimentary or elementary type of teaching or understanding. But for others of us, this seems like we're walking in in the middle of the story. Right? The, the formation of the church is the middle of the story. Or I don't know if you guys have kids. Have you ever watched a movie and you got like halfway through and then they come in and they're like, oh, this looks good. What's this about? And you got to pause it and be like, okay, well, let me fill you in. This is all the backstory of, um, of what has happened. For 40 days, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. Right? Um, on one occasion, and this is in verse 4 through 5, he says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God will come upon you, and you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, which basically means that you will be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And then in verse 6, they keep asking him this question. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? God is so kind in his response to this. People are asking when. When, when is this going to happen? When are you going to restore the kingdom of God? And he says, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Right? It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Just to give a backstory here, I want to go through um, the, a timeline of this, this establishment of the kingdom of God. In the beginning, we have creation. Okay? We have creation in which God creates all the, the land, all the sea, all the animals, 
on the ground, all the cephalopods, all the oxen, all the, all the horses, all the, everything that we can imagine, God has created everything that we know. In this, he has established his kingdom on earth. He's established his kingdom on earth. In the establishment of the kingdom of the earth, I, this is where I'm going I'm to make a stretch here on a theological point. Heaven is a result of our sin. When we see the original divine order, that when God said, let us make man in our image, he created Adam and Eve. He created heaven on earth. He created a place in which there was a perfect union with God. Adam and Eve walked in the garden with God. They knew God. They, they communed with God. That was a picture of heaven on earth. That is what we, are, we strive for here on earth is a perfect union with God until there was a fall of the angels. And, and we read about this in Revelation when one of the great angels took a third of the angels and they rebelled against God and, and created this deception that would eventually lead down into the Garden of Eden and cause Adam and Eve to stumble to eat from the, knowledge, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and evil entered into the world. The only reason heaven, he, heaven became of this was because now Adam and Eve would die. Before Adam and Eve die or, or had this sin enter into their life, they were in a state of heaven. They were in the proximity and in the presence of God. It wasn't until death entered into the picture that there was an extension of eternity or a defining point in life that says, now in order to experience the fullness of the kingdom of God, you have to go through this pivotal moment of death in order to experience the rest of eternity. It's not that our lives were ever limited before. We've always been beings created for eternity. Human beings have always been intended to experience eternity with God. That is the heaven that we speak of. There was the fall of the humans and then the establishment of the Jews when Jesus says, okay, after they're kicked out of the garden, he says, I want to bring the kingdom to the earth. He says, Jews, I'm going to make you my chosen people and the kingdom is going to be experienced through you, my chosen people. And then the prophets start to proclaim there is still a king coming. God has not given up on his creation. And the, the people start to cry out, God, we want to see a king. We want a king just like all of the other people. We want to see your earthly reign. And they establish a kingdom and da- under, under Saul and then David and Solomon was the kingdom of Israel. But that's not what God had planned for the kingdom. So they go through the prophets and they say, there is a king that is coming. The king that is coming will come to you in the form of a baby through the Virgin Mary. And, and all the prophets speak of this. And then right here in this little section, I think it's kind of cool, there's a, a period of silence. It's the intertestamental period between Micah and Matthew, or sorry, yeah, Malachi and Matthew, where there's 400 years where there's silence in our Bible. And I feel like this is God preparing his people for what is to come in the kingdom. And when Jesus comes, 
He says, I'm establishing the fullness of the kingdom of God again here on earth. And while Jesus is here and he's living and walking amongst us in human form, he says the kingdom of God is at hand. The message that Jesus was preaching was that the kingdom of God is here and now that he is the kingdom of God. Jesus is the kingdom of God and he is establishing a kingdom here on earth that we can experience through knowing him. That this is the kingdom. And he says, this is your, me- your mission. If you believe in Jesus, it's to expand the kingdom of God. The problem that we've experienced in church, I believe, is that we, we're, we go to this part right here, the death and resurrection, and we have a theology of Jesus that is formed around these three things, Jesus' birth, Jesus' death, and Jesus' resurrection. Currently, in the Christian calendar, we are in between those two periods of Jesus' birth, right, Christmas, and Jesus' death and resurrection in Easter. And we base almost everything we teach of, the mistake that we make, is that we teach a lot of theology based around the events of Jesus' birth, his death, and resurrection, and we miss We miss everything in between. His life, the life that Jesus lived, was the kingdom of God on earth in its fullness and totality. And so when we start to look at Jesus' life, that's when we start seeking the kingdom of God and seeing God's will for our lives. When we start to analyze and scrutinize and mimic and look at what Jesus did, how he walked, how he talked, how he loved, how he overcame persecution and trials, all the pain and all the suffering that he went through, that's when we start to understand God's will. Jesus brings together a group of people, a kingdom of people, and he says, this is my will for you. The purpose of God was never to get people into heaven, but to bring heaven into them. Jesus was was not trying to teach them about how to grow a church or how to bring more people in. His, His goal was to show them the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. This is why it's, it's so important for us that the theology is somehow turned from, from how do I get into heaven, right? Like, that's the question that I'll, I, 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 have a, I work with people. They, they have testified. They said the whole reason I believe in Jesus is because I can go to heaven. I have a serious problem with that. If, if we are seeking simply to go to heaven, we are seeking something for ourselves. Heaven isn't even designed for you or for me. 
Heaven is designed for God, for us to be in the presence of God. Heaven is the presence of God. And if our sole desire is simply to go to heaven, we've missed the entire kingdom. I read a a book by C.S. Lewis. Basically, he says, when the author walks out onto the stage, the play is over. If we are waiting until heaven to acknowledge God, to say, God, you are the king, and we're waiting till we see him, it's too late. He, he's saying what, what God has shown us in Jesus is that the kingdom of God is fully enacted through his life. Some of us get bored with church. You won't be bored if the kingdom comes within you. Once we start to realize what the calling is on our lives and we step into the kingdom of God, church becomes really fun. Everything that we're doing, all the things that we do when we gather together and we go and serve and, and we love and we treat people with kindness and the, the acts of being a Christian, the, the development of our spiritual fruit, that becomes fun because the kingdom of God is in us and the kingdom of God is being developed within us. So when Jesus comes, he, just doesn't, he doesn't come just to die for our sins. That's not his whole reason. We have a small view of the gospel if that's what we really think. There's this massive conversation going around in the world right now of what does it mean to, to speak the good news or what is the good news? Is the good news simply that Jesus came into the earth as a baby? Like These, these are great things. And died and rose from the grave and ascended into heaven? Or is the good news actually something that is good news for the poor? Is the good news Jesus enacted out in your businesses, in your relationships? Is the good news of the gospel something that will actually change you in the way that you live your life? If Jesus really is the king who sits on the throne right now in your life over all of these things, how does it change you? Yes, Jesus died for our sins. He rose from the grave. But the good news is that Jesus is the king and all authority and all of the earth and all of heaven and all of earth. And in his ascension, uh, the authority is over all of these things. Jesus changes everything. I'm living for this space uh, that everything changes, right? That my life changes. And so when I start asking the question of of when, God, when are you going to um, bring that person to my life that I've been waiting for? God, when am I going to get that promotion? God, when am I going to overcome my financial hardships? When Am I going to be able to take that vacation? When uh, is my son going to change what he's doing? When is, when we start asking when, we're missing the question of what God's will is. Even Jesus said only God knows the timing. What we should be asking is how, God? How can I expand the kingdom? How can I live my life out? Where in these areas do you want me to go? What do you want me to do And when we start to look at that question of what is God's will, we start to see it in the way that Jesus lived out his life. Timing belongs to the Father. Power belongs to you. Because when we start to analyze Jesus' life, we start to see him going up to people 
who are sick, saying, be healed. And he starts just going up to people and laying hands on them and blessing them. When they're blind, have sight. When they're deaf, hear. When they're crippled, stand up and walk. If we could really start to analyze the way that Jesus lived his life, we would go on around, we'd be going around trying to touch people in a way that changes them for all of eternity. That a blessing, a word of encouragement, an act of service, a prayer can change someone's life forever. I want to give us an opportunity to take steps of faith in this area today in seeking God's kingdom by finding God's will. Could you guys stand with me? I want to, um, I want to pray the prayer that Jesus told us to pray when he said, this is how you should pray. I want to pray that with you and then before the worship team starts their music and playing the last couple songs, I want to give you guys an opportunity to pray with one another. Okay? So, let me pray for us, and then I'll explain the next part. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Father, almighty God, enthroned in the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, God, you are to be praised. Your work on earth has changed everything. God, we believe as followers of Jesus Christ, as believers in the story that you have given us throughout Scripture, that Jesus Christ was a man, was God on earth in human form, who was born through all of the prophetic literature. Your entrance into the world happened exactly as you said it would happen. And we're thankful for that, God. We put our our hope in that. We trust that. But we also look at your life from that that moment of birth, all the way to that moment of death on a cross. And we see your acts being acted out through miraculous power, through divine power. God, we we believe that you laid hands on people and gave sight to the blind, gave hearing to the deaf, overcame the, the... ailments of sickness and crippledness 
You told people to stand and walk. You withdrew with your disciples and you taught about the kingdom of God. And we see that kingdom of God acted out in your life. That is the good news, God, that we are placing our faith in. That you have said now, since you have lived this life, you have given us the power to go and do the same. I pray, Lord, that you would empower us with that power of the Holy Spirit to go and do the same. To live in your will, which is focused on the kingdom of God. And so whatever it is that we may be doing, may it be within that parameter of the kingdom of God, the good news of the gospel. And yes, you did die for us so that in our death we would experience the life everlasting. And you did raise from the grave. And you did ascend into heaven. And you are alive today. We believe this, God. We believe all of this good news of the gospel. And I pray that it would transform us in all of the decisions that we make, all of the pains that we have, all of the hurts that we walk through. God, I pray that you would transform us into your likeness. As we seek you, may we find you. And as we find you, may we follow you. And as we follow you, may we fall more and more in love with you each and every day. I pray in your name. Amen. The worship team is just going to play a little music underneath um, for just a minute or two. If you, guys, if you have something in your life right now that you want someone to pray for you, I know it's hard sometimes to take a step and go to the back. And I've been thinking about that, and I just want you to receive prayer. It's humbling at times to say, God, I need you. But when you have a brother or a sister stand with you in your needs, it alleviates a lot of that stress or that pain or that anxiety. If you, if you want someone to pray with you, just go ahead and put your hand up or tap someone on the shoulder next to you that you're comfortable with that will pray with you. And I just want to spend a time of prayer for each other. Um, if you haven't prayed with someone before, I'm going to challenge you to take a step of faith and pray with someone. Um, let's go ahead and, and do that now. and Let's pray together. Let's pray with one another.